Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, and I'm joined here by my fabulous co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how you doing? Doing good. Hope uh, things are going well. Things are going good. We have a very exciting show coming up tonight. Uh, we're going to be speaking for the first time with author Kate Holohan. She's going to be talking about her latest book, Her Three Lives. So we're going to be getting into that. That's going to be very exciting. That book comes out April 20th. When, uh, so when you hear this episode, you should be able to buy it in whatever format you want it in. But we want to first tell you that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine. So please make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for more information. And also don't forget our anthology, Nothing Good Happens After Midnight with Jeffrey Beaver along with Reese Bowen and Linwood Barkley and Heather Graham and John Lasquois, Hank Philip P. Ryan, and many others, PW Star Review, so check that out. Nothing good happens after midnight. Without any further ado, you ready, Jeff? Oh, I am. I'm very excited. This is going to be fun. Awesome. So let's get into it. So, Kate, we want to thank you so much for coming on tonight. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. Fantastic. First time to the show, so hopefully we're able to bring you back. But we're Enough great to be able to... <laughs> but we're great to have you here uh, to talk about your latest book. Um, it's called Her Three Lives. So give us a little bit about what you got going on. Sure. So uh, Her Three Lives uh, tells the story of a, uh, an engaged couple that um, is, is rocked by a home invasion that um, leaves the, the man, Greg, uh, brain injured. And uh, he comes back and kind of puts uh, all these cameras that so many of us have, the Nest cams and the Ring cams all over his house in hopes of securing it. And as he's watching the footage, he starts to wonder whether his uh, fiance had anything to do with uh, the break-in and his attempted murder. So that's kind of the, the story in a nutshell. And it's her three lives because it's told from the perspective, uh, his perspective, Greg, and then his uh, fiance, Christine fiance's perspective, Jade, who's um, about, she's 32, so she's um, almost 20 years younger than he is, and uh, he has an ex-wife and adult children, and they start to kind of uh, really push the narrative with their father that maybe she had something to do with it. Um, I want to talk to you a bit about the, the, the sort of the background of this story, because it, it, it's a really great story, great characters and everything else, but I really was totally creeped out by the whole technology and social media angle. Creeped out. And, <laughs> oh, that's an understatement, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering if you could talk a bit about um, the world of social media, how that influenced this, and sort of the discussion about a lack of privacy. Do we really have privacy anymore? Yeah, well, um, it's funny because I, I always joke that I write from a place of anxiety. I think about the things that make me nervous, and then I go, how can I build a story around that because it already has my attention? And so, um, you know, it's not just social media. Obviously, we, put a, we, we kind of volunteer a lot, of our, a lot about ourselves on social media, and there is some aspect of that in the story where, um, you know, she actually is able to – the, the character Jade in some ways uses it to her advantage to find out things about people, but then um, it's to her disadvantage in that uh, it can be used to find out things about her and, and if there's um, some concern that she, in this story, she's, a, she's an influencer. She actually uh, wants to be an interior designer, but she's using social media to kind of get her brand name out, out there like a lot of people do in artistic professions. And so in putting this stuff out there, you know, she, um, she has some people that are, are following her, and she has to wonder, 
uh, did that have anything to do with with the break-in? And um, you know, does she have some followers that might she might think, oh, you know, they're fans of my designs, and actually they're fans of the, her big engagement ring, and wondering how they can, you know, find out where she, where she's going to be at noon, you know, the next day. So I think. So that was definitely because, you know, as when you're promoting a book, for example, a lot of us have to, you have to be on social media. You have to do some posts about the book and then, you know, you, you want to share some things about your writing process, which means sharing some things about you. And you, and I think it does kind of play on the back of your mind of, well, how many people are really interested or how many people are just, you know, um, maybe, maybe just interested in your life, but not your books. And, and that's an uncomfortable feeling. So, so there was that, and then on top of that, you add all of these uh, devices, these home surveillance devices that we can all use to kind of spy on our families but and each other and our neighborhoods and how that complicates things. Um, you know, I was reading an article recently where these doorbell cameras all have these social networks, and people are, are you know, uploading video and saying, well, look at this suspicious person or look at what this person yep. did. And, and some of that behavior is suspicious. And sometimes it's like their neighbor is walking their dog in front of their house, right? And, you know, maybe they don't know their neighbor that well. And they're basically reporting it as suspicious activity that somebody else could maybe call the police about. And it's actually just someone, you know, walking their dog in town, right? So mm -hmm. it's it's complicated. And I um, and I think it... I think, you know, the, if we spend too much attention on it, it um, you can see that it would have some negative effects um, both on people psychologically and also kind of on society as a whole. Yeah, I have Ring Doorbell, and so I'm hooked up to the Ring community, and it's like two-mile radius around my house. If someone posts something, you'll sit there and you'll see it, and people yeah. will post videos like, oh, someone checking door handles at 3 a.m., like, she you lock your doors? And this and that, and I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm a voyeur. I look at it. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know why I do. I don't know why I do. Well, like, but I think it's because, well, we want to be safe, right? Like, I look at it. Yeah. Some, I, are you right? Someone's checking door handles. I don't always lock my door. Yeah. And look, and I just said that in the podcast. Everyone knows. If they visit your house in Massachusetts, they won't. <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> but... Yeah, so, I mean, I understand why, but then, you know, it's so funny. I, I watched this ring doorbell once where it was clearly, and you, you wanted to, how do you break this to the family, but it was clearly like the boyfriend trying to sneak in. <laughs> <laughs> just knew. I was watching this, and the guy's, like, feeling up on top of, like, the back door, clearly, where, like, the daughter probably said she left the key. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, it's, and, it's, and he's like, he's wearing a hooded sweatshirt and it's pulled down low because, like, he knows there's a camera there and he's trying not to get on it. But he just knew the whole time. I'm like, that's not a robber, dude. That's no. Funny. No. That's a boyfriend trying to have some fun with his girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. That's like, you know. But then yeah. it reminds you that. But then it reminds you of that commercial where the dad walks in and says, are you Steve's phone? Because <laughs> you're on our internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're good and bad. Um, yeah, my daughters better watch out. My husband bought a drone. They'll <laughs> be like on dates oh. following them around. But, <laughs> but there is. But you're right. There's so many different ways now for fans or for anybody to just kind of and, – and, you know, of course, you've heard the stories of the rings being hacked and people were talking yeah. to – you know, hackers were talking to the people who own the, the nest and, the, and those kinds of things. 
And so yeah. it is a very scary, and it is kind of a very, you know, weird, scary time. But, you know, but you're right. You know, on social media, you never know who's, like, looking or talking back to you. And, and that can be a very, um, you know, scary kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's um, – and, and also, it, but it, it's this tension, right, between – you know that, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of rewards to it, right? Like, hey, I'm an author, and I can actually get the word out a little bit myself about my books, right? Mm-hmm. And, right. Um, and I have, after a, a podcast like this, maybe I can, I can post a link and see if, so you can, so there's, there's things about it that are great, and also not even just from a business perspective, you know, hey, I can, um, I can share photos with family members that I really don't get to see. It's been a godsend in some ways during uh, all this quarantining because um, I have younger kids and they grow up fast and family members that couldn't see them at least got to feel somewhat connected, you know, seeing videos and pictures. Um, but I have, I always need to be better about my privacy settings with that because a lot of my stuff is set to public and then all of a sudden I realize, ooh, I just, you know, broadcast my kids' faces all over, you know, uh-huh. to my, to my 6,000 friends of which I know like 300, right? I, you, you know that many? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't even know that many. I got to tell you. John, does, no John doesn't have any friends, so. <laughs> That's your, well, just my friend, but I don't talk to him on social media. <laughs> um, let's do a dive backwards. Um, I'd love to talk to you about how you got your start in the publishing world with Dark Turns. Um, how did that book get published? Yeah, um, well, so uh, I had been a journalist for years, and then um, when I had my second child, I was like, I had always written fiction kind of on the side. Um, and then when I had my second daughter, I said, okay, I'm going to really give this uh, a serious go. And I left my journalism job and, and uh, wrote the book. And then I went to... Um, the Algonquin Conference, and I met Paula Meunier at Talcott Notch. She's my agent, and uh, she took me on as a client. And then um, after that, oh, I should I should say that I'm glossing over like the million you know qu- query letters that were either never answered or rejected. Of right? <laughs> um, but that's how I, yeah. that's actually how I met my agent was I went to a conference and pitched her my work in person and so um, like a pitch fest. Uh, it's similar to a pitch fest, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then after I did that, uh, you know, she tried to sell that book, and I think uh, it didn't sell in the ver- the way I had it, but um, I then reworked it, and that sold to Crooked Lane, and that was my first book. Nice. Real quick, too, and I, I said just to do the social media thing. Does anybody really think that Chrissy Teigen is off Twitter for good? Honestly, come on. Give me a break, right? She's gonna be back in two months. I, I yeah. you think so? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's an addiction. I think that's the other problem is a lot of it, social media is an addiction. They're like, I'm off of it, and then two months later, okay, I'm doing a whole new thing now, and I'm back. <laughs> so that's right. Well, I, it is. I mean, they've they've done studies, right? Where like people look yeah. at their likes, and it 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 sets off endorphins and. There is. You know? It is called a like addiction, where people just try to get as many likes and follows as they can for whatever 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. But I, wanna, I would like to ask, you know, about – I love the, when authors talk about the development of characters. And Jade and Greg are the characters here in your book, Her Three Lives. 
So when you're sitting down, um, because your books are standalone, and Jeff's going to have that question coming up shortly, so when, when you were sitting down to decide to write Maybe. Her Three Lives, I know it is, and you, and you needed characters, tell a little bit about your conception of why Jade and Greg were the two that you decided to go with. Sure. Um, well, I, I, it, part of it was, it was this, I had this, this vision of this guy, like, you know, staring at cameras and looking at his life, right? And so I started off with that, and I thought, oh, that's creepy. And then I thought, oh, I bet I can, you know, whenever something creeps me out, I'm like, well, let's explore this, right? Because I write really. <laughs> it's creepy, but it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's creepy, but, like, yeah, let's yeah. delve into this. So, so um you know, Greg came from there, and then I think I started to to think about, well, um, you know, what are some things that create suspicion and tension in a marriage? And one of the things I thought about was when there's um, when people feel insecure for a variety of reasons, and one, and you know, it might be that there's a big age difference, right? And so in this case, he feels insecure because, and and also that maybe they they haven't dated a very long time, so there's a, you know, they're still at that stage where they haven't told each other everything about their lives. So I then created these two characters where they, they're in love, but um, she, she gets pregnant. So there's the feeling of like, well, are we going to make a go of this or not? And they decide to. So they, don't, they haven't gotten to all of those deep, dark, you know, share your darkest fears and the thing you're most embarrassed about uh, conversations yet. And, um, and then the, the, there's a weird power dynamic there because uh, Greg's a lot older than she is and so is used to being kind of the authority figure. And, um, you know, his brain injury kind of puts him in a position where he has to rely on her a lot. So the, the power struggle that their relationship was based on is flipped. And then I figured that with that, I could, that, that was kind of rife for a lot of tension. And, and, and then with Jade, you know, there's a lot, um, I wanted, I'm Jamaican and Irish, and so I wanted to bring in um, some of my, Jamaican culture and kind of also hit, hit on those, uh, you know, some of the tension that's created when people do come from different cultures, right? And right. Um, some of the some of the suspicions and the getting used to uh, the way the way uh, a different culture might think about things or do things. And so uh, I brought a lot of that to bear as well. Nice. When you were crafting this novel, when did you realize the ending? Did you get to that point and go, oh, this is how it ends? Or did you know right away this is how it's going to end? No spoilers, of course. Yeah. Well, um, you know, so I always think I know how they're going to end because I'm a plotter, and so I, like, plot everything out, and then my characters do things that um, change it up on me, and then I have to, like, go back and replot. And that was definitely the case with this this book in that I thought I knew how it was going to end. And so I was writing, thinking – this is this is it, and then um, I actually think in the editing process, as I was like you know going through the developmental edit, I kept thinking, no, it needs like you know it needs like that. It, it wouldn't end this. This wouldn't be it, right? And then I got like another uh, idea that complicated it further, and so that's. But I always I always like to think that I'm the master of my universe going in. And then I'm always a little saddened to realize I'm not. The master of my universe. That is great. I love that. I love that. That's the first um, time we've ever heard an author say, I think I'm the master of my universe, and the characters say, no, you're not. 
story of my life. No, I'm like, you're I'm not. I'm not in my house. My kids are like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's the opposite, actually, of that Looney Tunes sketch where, what was it, Daffy Duck, and, the, and it was Bugs Bunny, and you didn't realize at the end that he was the one that was drawing and screwing with him the whole time. That was hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's, I've never, that's the first time I've ever thrown a Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck reference into an interview. I'm just letting you know, but that just came to my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, I'm curious. So look, looking at your work, you like the theme of uh, family dynamics and secrets. And I'm wondering, why do you like writing about those things? Or do you not like writing about those things, but you feel like you have to, I guess? Does that make sense? Um, yeah. So I, I do like writing about them. Um, I also think that after you've written about them for a while, maybe you get a bit of an audience that expects you to hit certain topics and themes, and, and therefore uh, it becomes, you know, it, it's, it becomes a little bit your brand, and so you're able to sell books. Um, hitting on those same topics and themes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's a little bit of a chicken or the egg thing, right? Like, yeah. uh, do you write do you write those books because you know you can sell those books now? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, that's that's a lot of honesty. But like, but no, I I mean I I actually love we love it. Events. I do, and I like I like psychological thrillers. I like I like the immediacy of of being, uh, of, of being, you know, in either close third person or first person where you're really seeing the world from a particular character's point of view. And so you're forced to deal with the limitations that that point of view has which, and what, what they know and what they don't know and, and uh, you know, and, and the drama that that creates because you are, you're in their shoes you know, walking around with their vulnerabilities and blind spots, and I think that that's that's cool. And then when you when you also add uh, the family dynamic, where um, these are the the people they care about the most, who that they're the most worried about and sometimes threatened by, I think adds another level of of suspense. Um, yeah, so I like it, and also um, you know, a lot of my books I don't have to get too gory, which I which I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not a very gory writer, so. Uh, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I was gonna. Go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say the one of the reasons I love your work is because I feel like I know these people, or I could know these people really easily, and then these things happen to them, and there's all these you know intricate dynamics and suspense. And it's like wow, this this could be a real thing. You could be talking about my neighbors, and I like that. Good. Uh, yeah. In fact, I, sometimes my neighbors think I am talking about them, which always causes an interesting, interesting conversation. You are. They're like, they're like, did you base that? Cat? You was that? I don't know. How's your? Let me check your ring video. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's when you ask me, you're like, what part exactly do you think was based on you? Like, what don't I know? Um, <laughs> Real quick, I want to remind everybody that we're speaking here with author Kate Hollihan, and she's talking about her book, Her Three Lives, which is out on April the 20th. I want to make sure you remind everybody. So real quick, so since Jeff hasn't asked it, I'm going to ask this question. Oh, so, what? So, what? I'm asking it, baby. I'm asking it. This is just the way it works. So this is your fifth book, and right now you had all standalones. You've not done anything with series. Um, yes. And our question is always, you know, we always banter this back and forth. Jeff is more of a series guy. I'm more of a standalone guy. I'm series mm-hmm. in a... 
I'm serious in a way, but I'm not a serious person. I'm not a big series fan of ongoing series where it's just kind of just starts becoming the same. I don't really get into those too much after a while. So my question mm-hmm. to you is, series or standalone, why are you doing more standalones and not series, which seems to be what 95% of authors seem to do these days? Yeah, well, um, I think for me, uh, especially in the genre that I write, it would be hard to pick them up again. Like, after I've devastated a family, like, can I really go back and do it again? Like, I just think, I mean, it's really a kindness on my part. No, but I, I, no, I, I think that, you know, there's certain types of books that, that lend themselves very well to series. If you're writing um, anything police procedural, right, that, that definitely, because your detective can get another case. Whereas I think when you're writing domestic suspense, a lot of times these characters, you know, it wouldn't be believable if, like, they had something tragic happen and then, you know, in the next book yet another big tragedy happens. Whereas I think that's believable more when if you're a CIA agent or you're a police officer because you're constantly putting yourself in the middle of people's tragedies, right? Well, but but have you thought maybe about then possibly taking one of your characters, one of your secondary characters out and doing, like, a sequel where they're the ones where the bad shit happens to? So it's kind of in the same vein, yeah, so, um, like, uh, and it yeah, wouldn't be, know, it, it would just be like another standalone, but it would tie into another book. Well, it's interesting, you know, I've always wanted, uh, my second book, The Widower's Wife, has a, has an insurance investigator, and I love that character. I would love to go back to him one day and, and maybe create another, another book go. where he's, he's doing something. But, so it's, I, and, uh, you know, I like series, but I guess I, I guess I just think that it really depends on the, on the type of story you're telling because if you're dealing with domestic suspense, a lot of times the, the narrative is tight. It, it, like the people involved in that, in the story, it's a small world. You know, you're often dealing with the people in one household. And so it, it's so meaning that they are very affected by whatever happened. So it would be hard to kind of like pick up a tertiary character because there isn't anyone that's really tertiary. They're all kind of related to that core family unit. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm going to say, just for the record, I don't know who this co-host I'm doing the show with today is. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he never asks that question. Um, I never do, but I did because I, was just, I figured I was like, oh, you know what, I'm just going to throw it out there, and we're going to just get it out there right now. <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, my next question, because I do have one more left. I got a question. I, I'm very curious about this one. Well, see. So you go ahead, Jeff. I'll let you go ahead. I'll let you go first. Well, well, Ladies well, first. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I love you too, man. Um, so one of the things um, I, I see when I'm reading a lot of wonderful books is the people who tell the best stories tend to either be attorneys or journalists. So I'm wondering, since you have a journalism background, how does that background help you with your writing? Oh, sure. Well, I think, um, you know, you learn that you really can never have writer's block because like, in, in journalism, you have to write – when I was at, at Business Week, like, I had to write a story sometimes two for the, the online publication a day, and then I had to write an overarching – you know, you had like an overarching piece that you were pitching to the magazine like the week and so um there was no like oh i'm just not feeling the muse today <laughs> right like there was a yeah. certain amount of like copy that you had to you had to um produce and so i think that that 
has given me an attitude of like I write every day, right? And sometimes I write something and, you know, the next day in the morning when I read it, I go, oh, I'm not going to, like none of this is going to make it, right? But at least I write every day. Right. And so I think that if you do it every every day, like, oh, you know, some some of that's going to be good, and then you can, and then once you do it, you kind of kind of build off the good stuff, and and at the end of a, a couple months, you you probably have a first draft, you know. And so I think that th- that that training, that like never allowing yourself to have writer's block, um, is good because also then you never. I'm, I'm never kind of waiting for the muse to hit. It's just like, well, I'm going to write until it comes out, you know, and and that's how I kind of handle it. And so, I, and I think a lot of journalists are like that because they've just been trained that, like, no matter what, you got to write today. And with that background, then when you're approaching your novels, does that mean the story comes first in your mind, or does the character come first in your mind? Yeah, you know, I think often it's a little like what I said about her three lives. I kind of have this vision or something that that um, that sticks with me, and then the story comes out of that. And then it's like as I'm writing the story, you think, well, who would be the people that do this? And it's kind of this back and forth. So, um, but I often, and then by the time I'm actually sitting down and writing, I often have a good sense of who the voices are, who the the voices that I'm hearing in my head, like who they belong to and what these people would do. Um, but as I said, they sometimes surprise me because clearly I really plot out that story and occasionally I'm just like, ah, oh, darn it, they're just, they're not going to do that. Like, the, the way that this person <laughs> is shaping up, they are not going to do that and that means i got to go back to the drawing board, you know? Right. Either well, one way or the other. Sometimes it means i got to go back to the drawing board because I don't like that character anymore. They're getting booted out of my story for somebody else. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you, of course, you know, writing, writing articles, writing books, that's much different than maybe another type of writing you might have done. Because I have to ask, see, I'm a huge music guy. Mm. You know where yeah. this is going. Yeah. So, I got to know, leaving Kinsley, as an origi- and I, I'm on your site, and I see that you're yeah. the lead singer of a, book called, or a group called Leaving Kinsley, an original rock band, which I'm very excited because I'm a 70s and 80s hard rock metal guy. I mean, I am Alice Cooper, Aerosmith, Megadeth, Metallica, Iron Maiden. Love them all. Love all those guys. So I got to ask, what what was the band? Did you write, did you have some music? Why aren't you singing anymore? Like, what's up with the band? Yeah. um, Get the band back uh, together, Kate. Well, it's funny you say that. I, I, you know, we we tried. We we played a lot of gigs after work in New York, and we uh, we printed our CDs and and tried to, you know, did our best mm-hmm. to sell them, and we had some good gigs, and I, I loved it. I loved writing with those guys, and um, you know, did you I do covers and stuff? Like, what kind of music was it? No, it was all original. So we sat there and we wrote songs, and it was a. Uh, I'm still on like Garage Band or SoundCloud or one of those. But uh, are you really? Oh, I'm looking it up yeah. now. I bet you you're on YouTube. I want to. I want to hear Leaving oh, Kensley. I want to hear. Here it's on Reverb Nation. There you go. Oh, I'm finding but, it. I'm finding but, it. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. But but now actually, my my husband and I, because my husband plays uh, plays guitar, um, we we sing with uh with the grad school band in a school of rock, and it's it's awesome. Oh. I and it's all covers. And uh, okay. right now, like what kind of covers? A, just out of curiosity, so I have an idea. Well, it, like it Van really, Halen. It really changes. So like this this semester, it's uh, women who rock. So it's okay. all uh, female fronted rock bands. 
So you got like Dora, like Dora Pesh in there from Warlock, or are you just not doing it? No, that? I mean, so we have like, I know. <laughs> Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm? Heart? No. You got heart? We, you got a little we heart? Have heart? We have heart. Okay, heart. Okay, I'm with you now. Uh, uh, okay. uh, we, have, we have heart. We have, uh, we, uh, we have the cranberries. We have... Fleetwood uh, Mac? Uh, no, but I, I'm doing a Janis Joplin. Like, uh, mm. yeah, so... I mean, yeah, it's okay. a lot of fun, and then and then we've had other ones where it's a uh, so it changes per semester. So you know, we've had others where it's like seventies rock, and another, and it's fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I I yeah, like yeah. it, and it keeps cool. me singing. Yeah. Huh. So your husband plays guitar. Is he uh, is he a shredder, or is he more of like, or is he not? Is he more acoustic, electric? Um, I mean, he plays a. Uh, I'm a, a huge whole, guitar guy. That's why I. Yeah. Asked. So he plays a Paul Reed Smith. Oh, I have a good guitar story then. So he plays a yeah. Paul Reed Smith, and it was like special edition. It looks like a Gibson. It was like his prized possession, right? And so mm-hmm. we were engaged. And I decided, wouldn't it be great because we're living in New York, and he was having trouble playing because every time he played, the, the, you know, the amp would buzz, and the downstairs neighbors would be there with the broom. Like, mm-hmm. you gotta, you got to stop this. So I thought, oh, I got this like, very thick carpet to go under the amp to keep it from vibrating and the sound from traveling. And I'm putting it under the amp, and the guitar falls in its case and cracks the neck. Oh. Right? And I thought, that's it. I'm not getting married anymore. It's going to be over. <laughs> it's like, it's done. And I, and so I ended up getting it fixed by this person in Manhattan. This thing cost more than my wedding dress. And as a result, I bought a used wedding dress because I spent all my wedding dress money on fixing this guitar, which is now downstairs. <laughs> Now, when did you tell him that you broke it and had to have it fixed? Oh, my goodness. He came back. I mean, I, I had, had done this, like, straight like, after hey, I got the pickups are a little off now. Did you, like, something happened? No, I mean, the neck, the neck was. The neck's like, a little off. Clean crack. It was like, it was, there was no, there was no, like, duct tape. There was no, <laughs> there was no fake in this. I don't know what you're talking about, honey. No, it was, this thing was broken. And so, yeah, um, yeah uh. So I, I think he said it was one of those things where he would have been mad, only he couldn't have possibly have been as mad as I was at myself. <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, you I know just, what? Now that you fixed it, I can turn it up to 11. used to go to 10, but now I can go to 11. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Little spinal tap moment there. Yeah. yeah. I know. Um, in fact, my, my daughter turned 11 today, and that was the first thing my husband said to her. He's like, we turned it up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Well, you now, now, now you know what you got to do, because I told Vincent Zandri, who's a good friend of mine, and he's a drummer, and I said, Vincent, I said, this is what you got to do for your next book, and you should do this for her three lives, just for fun. Tweet it out and say, okay, guys, here you go. Here's your 10-song soundtrack for her three lives. So you kind oh, of have yeah. like a 10-song soundtrack for people to kind of get an understanding maybe of like her three lives. And I said, you need to do that for your books. Do a little soundtrack. That would be cool. That would definitely so, be cool. And, you know, you know it's, it's funny. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. Sometimes I have them. But, you know, <laughs> the good thing is that I, found out all that about, I found all that information out on your website, which is fabulous, and it's kateholahan.com. And is that the best place for everyone to find all your portals to your social media and everything? Absolutely, yes. I see you have a YouTube thing up there. If I click it, am I going to find Leaving Kensley? Probably not, but you probably will find me talking (laughs) about books and other people's books. Yeah. 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 Now, what social media platform do you kind of do the most? Um, Probably Facebook. um, Do you have two pages, like your fan page and your personal page? Exactly. 
Okay. And I, and I try to keep both pretty updated. Um, I'm not a Twitter person. I, I don't understand how novelists are. I can't think in that few characters. I just, I ha- there's, there's, there's nothing I have to say. See, I kind of <laughs> like Twitter a little better because that way I don't have to read everything that you say. I can only, I can only read a little bit about what you say. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I have that gene. I cannot tell a short story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll tell you, Kate, it has been fabulous talking to you. Um, we want to really, we want to thank you so much for coming on for the first time. Hopefully you want to come back, talk about your next book. But this book, everybody, is called Her Three Lies. Again, it's out April 20th, so when you hear the interview, it will be out. Is this going to be out on audiobook at the same yes. time? Yes, okay. I believe so. So the audio is going to drop at the same time. So whatever format you like, you'll be able to find it. And, Kate, we hope that you have a wonderful night, and uh, we will talk with you soon. Again, thank you so much for coming on. It's been fabulous. Thanks for having me. It's been great.